name is Julia, and this is Jason, and we are going to, instead of talk about life groups, we're going to show you something. Okay, so go with us. Hello. Why am I here? I mean, what if, what if people don't like me? What if I don't like them? I mean, what if they try to guilt me into serving in the community? I mean, oh, I mean, I don't have time for this kind of stuff anyway. So, you know what? Uh, just gonna. Get, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, excuse me. I was just. You are just about to leave because you're not quite sure if this life group stuff is for you, right? Uh, yeah. How, how'd you know? How did I know? Because I see it all the time. Really? Yes. Allow me to introduce myself. Okay. I am the ghost of life groups past, present, and future. Oh, boy. Um, kind of like the Christmas carol? Yes, exactly. Okay, weren't there like three ghosts there? Hey, it's a recession. <laughs> you aren't the only one asked to do the work of more than one person these days. Oh, boy. But this is not about me. This is about you. All right, yeah. And right. I have seen many like you, uh -oh. men and women, who want to get, be a part of the life group and even go as far as signing up. But then when it actually comes time to go, yeah. they find a reason not to. Oh. So my job is yeah. to help you, you move too much. get over that hump okay. and actually knock on that door. That door? Yes. Well, you know, I can see your point, but, you know, I was just so excited and got caught up in the whole life group promotion and everything. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you can kind of understand I'm a busy guy, so I'm just going just gonna to get out of here. Yeah. So, so tell me. Come uh, here. Uh, tell me. Yeah, which, yeah. Which, which what if is stumping you? Is it um, the uh, what if I can't come all the time? Or, mm -hmm, or, or yeah. what, if, what if it's the uh, what, if, what if they want to be so deep and serious in the word and I want to have a little more fun? Or, or what if they want to be all fun and I want to be a little more serious about the word of God? Okay. I mean, really, the list could go on and on forever. Uh -huh. Did you take your medicine? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yes, I okay. did. Right. It's kind of like being the new kid. I understand it. You know, you want to be friendly, but not too friendly. Yeah. You want to be confident, but not too confident. No. Yeah. Bottom line? You're not quite sure if this is going to be meaningful, right? That's correct. Yes, you got it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, but you can still understand why I'm, I'm out of here. I do. Yeah, yeah. So but good. before you go. Oh man, what? Come on, do me a favor. All let right, me fine. do my let me do my life my ghost past, present, and future stuff for you, just so I can fill my quota. How about that? <laughs> quota. Wow, I didn't know angels had sales contests. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. All right. All right. Okay. Come on. Come on. Come on. All right. Yeah. It's a window, right? This is a window. Okay. Is this legal? This, yes, this is okay. perfectly legal. All right, good. This is the past. Okay. Now, you see that lady there in the middle of the circle? Yeah. Yeah. She lost her child to sickness. Hmm. Yeah. And this life group mm -hmm. organized meals for her, yard duty, and they even helped arrange babysitting so she can go to grief counseling. Oh, wow. Yeah. Isn't that wow. wonderful? Yeah. <sighs> Another window. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is the present. Now. You see that group of guys in the parking lot back there? Yeah, they're having a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. They decided, these guys decided they needed some man time in their life group, so they're going to go golfing. Yeah, Pastor Jeff needs that, doesn't he? Who's Pastor Jeff? Oh, that guy over there? Oh, oh, okay. oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but what they don't know yeah. is that later on, their wives are going to have some me time at the spa. Oh, <laughs> yeah, good for them. Yeah. Come on. All right. Another window? Yes. Okay. This is the future. Now, you see that guy over there in the blue t-shirt? Yeah, it kind of kind of fuzzy, but it kind of looks like me. And That is 
you. Okay, creepy. Creepy. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah, I understand. But what are you doing? Looks like I'm encouraging somebody. Yes, and how do they look? They actually look pretty appreciative. Yeah. See, that's the beauty of life groups. Oh, you're somebody. Some, I don't have wings, lady. Somebody behind this door yeah. needs what you have to offer, no matter how small you think it is. And okay. somebody behind this door mm -hmm. has something that they want to give to you. So it's a win-win situation. Win-win. So what do you think? Come on. I think I'll, I'll knock on that door. What do you say? All right. Thank you. Welcome. And thank you. Okay, how could you not want to come to a life group after that? That was awesome. That was really great. <laughs> you know, when you go into a skit in church, it, it, it's one of those kind of, all right, uh, it could either, everyone could say afterwards, I'm not going to life groups if that's the way it's going to be. Or after that, everyone gets a sign up. Everybody wants to sign up because it was so awesome. Hey, a couple quick things before we get started here. First, Swapple. Everybody look at Swapple for a second. A um, couple of amazing things are happening. Our, mission, our, our missions in Nigeria is really taking off. Our missionaries, were, we're getting more and more missionaries moving there with back-to-back -back and with self-sustaining enterprises, so things are really growing. Our missionaries want to go on a retreat. There's a lot of information. Uh, they need about $250 per person. There's three of them, and there's also uh, a goodie bag that we want to send to them. The goodie bag items are actually going in a crate that we're sending, a 40-foot crate over the next month, we're going to put a car in there. We're going to hopefully put a, um, a, tr a tractor in there so we can do uh, farming when, we get, when they get to Nigeria. Um, lot of, so 40-foot crates, we're going to pack that full. We're going to need some of your help doing that. But the swap wall has items on it for our missionaries to put in there, all right? So please go back to Swapple after the service, check it out, and let's, let's really support them. Because, you know, tough, tough economic times, it's tough here, but it gets even more difficult there. As people get tight here, sometimes they say, well, this, these are the people who have to kind of go off my list. We have to make sure it doesn't happen to our folks. They're sacrificing over there. They're working really hard. We want to encourage them. And this retreat that they're going to be having over the next few months, I think it's like November, December, is going to be extremely encouraging to our staff in Nigeria uh, as they minister there to the, to the people they, they so love. So let's make sure we check that out. Um, I'm going to be reading from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. So if you have your Bibles, it'll be up on the screen. Hebrews chapter, chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. It says, Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, and let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as we see the day approaching. Now, why do you come to church? Let me think about this. Why, why do you come to church? Is it to get, you know, people say to me, I wanna, it's a time where I get my spiritual tank filled up. Or it's a time where I can grow in my relationship with Christ. I can become more like Jesus Christ. The reality is, my friends, Renovatus, which we're, we're, this is the last 
week of Renovatus and we start a new series, I want to be where the rain ends next week. Make sure you invite a whole lot of people. This is going to be a great series through uh, characters in the Bible and how God helped them overcome the challenges that they face. So next week's kind of the kickoff. It's like the first of the year for a church, September the 12th. Everybody's back at school. Uh, everyone comes back here. So invite some folks. Let's kick this series off. Life group start. All right. So, uh, but what we're talking about now is Renovatus and you're not going to renovate you're not going to transform, you're not going to change your life if you don't do it within community. If you're not connected to the body, it's not going to happen. So what you want to, you talk about, when we talk about renovatus, you talk about changing, that change is not going to be brought about by ourselves. We can't do it alone. We need each other. Hebrews chapter 10 verses 24 and 25 tell us that we need each other to stand firm, to continue to grow. We need each other if we're going to continue to become the church that God has created us to be. It's difficult for us as believers to do it on our own. And that's what, that's what these new believers in Jesus Christ, these, these, these Jewish believers were being told. That's what the writer of Hebrews was telling them. You, you have to continue to meet together. And that's what he's telling us as well. This is an encouragement to us as well. These, these believers had come to know Christ, my friend, and they were taking a beating for it. It's not like today. I mean, these were, these were Jewish converts, and in that culture, they were taking a beating. In Hebrews chapter 10, verses 32 and 34, it kind of lays it out for us. It says, remember those early day, days after you had received the light, when you stood your ground in a great contest in the face of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times, you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You sympathized with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation. Think about what is written here. Just don't let it go by. The confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had a better and lasting possessions. Now, if what if, what if coming to church, what if coming to church was literally taking your life into your own hands? Or what if coming to church was meant that you could possibly lose your home? That someone would confiscate your home? There are places in the world that are like that. Not in the United States, but there are places in the world where you can, you can lose your home. If you accept Christ, you're taking your life into your own hands. I think people would think twice about coming to church if that were the case. And I, in my opinion, I don't think there'd be any mega churches in the United States at all. If you took your life into your own hands, if you may lose your, your property or your home, if you came to church, if you were seen coming to church, I think a lot of people would kind of think twice about coming to church. I remember flying to Nigeria and I was sitting next to a woman, a Nigerian woman, and she was from a, a bordering state. And we got to talking, we're both Christians, and we got to talking, and, and, I, and I said she was talking to me about how difficult it was in her state to be a Christian because the, the, the most of the population there were Muslims. And she said to me, in my state where I live, you're either a Muslim or a martyr in most cases. And I said to her, goodness, and I was being sincere, I said, you know, I, you feel bad for your brothers and sisters in Christ in that situation. And I said, you know, is that safe to go to church? And, what, you know, how do you keep, continue to keep going to church in that situation? If, if you get caught alone or, you know, if someone gets you outside of the church and you're not within your group of people, you could get killed. And she said, you know, I don't want to be sitting at home when Jesus Christ returns. 
I don't want fear to stop me from being a part of the body of Christ. That's today. That was only four or five years ago I talked to her. She, didn't, she was focused. She was saying, I need to be a part of the body of Christ, regardless of what it may cost me. Regardless of what it may cost me in my own life. Why is meeting together so important to God? And why, is it such, why should it be a priority in our lives? That's the question we need to be thinking about this morning. Why is it so important that we meet together as the body of Christ? And why should it be a priority to us? In verse 24, we read this, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Two words sum up what our attitude should be when we come together as believers in Jesus Christ. Consider others. Now, if we were being honest with ourselves and with each other, most of us would say we usually consider ourselves. I mean, I'm not beating up on us this morning, and don't take it as, a, as kind of a beating up session, just looking at the Word of God. And if we're talking about renovatus, if we're talking about growing and, and developing and strengthening the church, and we're talking about strengthening the individuals within the body of Christ, then this, this conversation has to take place. So you're looking at this, and, and you're, you're, you go through, and you're asking yourself these questions, and you're, and you're working through it in your own life, and you're just wondering, you know, how... How can I become the kind of person that God would be pleased with when it comes to living out his word in my life within the body of Christ? My friends, most people today, when they come into church, they come in with this, and tell me if I'm, don't say it out loud, but tell me if my attitude is even wrong here. But they come into church and they're asking the question, what can you do for me? What is this going to offer me? What am I going to get out of this? When people come into a church, that really is the question they're asking when they're maybe visiting a church or they're starting to check it. Their, their question is, the first question in their mind is, what am I going to get out of this? But I find it revolutionizes my, my view of church and the small groups that I'm involved in when I consider others first. When my mindset goes from what am I going to get out of this to what are others going to get out of this? It's revolutionary when you start thinking about investing in the lives of other people, investing in the lives of other people and allowing them to grow in their relationship with Christ, thinking about, thinking instead of how am I going to feel when I come in, how are they feeling? How are the people around me within my church, within my small group feeling? What do they need? What are their needs? What are they going through? What are they getting out of it? And when you answer that question, part of the answer is what I'm putting into it. What are they getting out of it? What I then am putting into it. Am I investing in others? Am I considering others before I consider myself? Am I putting in what God would have me put in? The truth is that any group of people that come together and think about what what it can do for me, how it can benefit me, um, how are my needs going to be met? And, that's all, and there's nothing wrong with going and thinking, how are my needs going to be met? But that's all you're thinking, that group will be a disaster. It'll be a disaster. Everyone comes in thinking, not consider others, but consider me, consider me, consider me, and everybody else can take care of themselves. That group will be a disaster. That church will be a disaster. That community will be a disaster. That country will be a disaster. On the other hand, if you get a group of people who come together and they're thinking, how can I invest in the lives of others? 
How can I put in so that other people's lives are transformed? How can I meet their needs? That, that will renovate, that will re- revolutionize the atmosphere of the church. That will change the atmosphere of the entire church because at that point, everyone's needs are being met. Other people are thinking, how can I meet that person's needs? And you're thinking, how can I meet that person's needs? And you're thinking, how can I meet that person's needs? And that changes everything. It revolutionizes the culture, the atmosphere of the body of Christ. Verse 25 continues, and let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Some of these Hebrew Christians, now think again of the context in which we're talking here. These new converts to, to Christianity, Jewish, they're Jewish believers now. And, and, you know, and, and you know, this Hebrew, the Hebrew writer is talking to these folks. And some of them began to kind of waver in their, in, their, in their consistency coming and being a part of the body. So that because of the culture in which they lived, it was really, really difficult. It was really difficult for them. Basically, what we talked about in verses 32 through 34, I mean, the persecution and their, their homes being confiscated and, the, and, the, and all the things that they were struggling with and those people being put in prison, all these things were going on. So these folks, and you could, you could sit here and go, goodness me, well, I, I would almost tell them to stay home, don't want them to get, to get hurt, but not the writer of Hebrews. Now, our situation may be a little different here, maybe a little different, not, but not totally I mean, if we can pull ourselves into, into this context a little bit or into this, into this passage, maybe not the historical context, but the passage itself, we, we have difficulties too. I mean, for, for, for different reasons, maybe you're here this morning under a lot of duress. You want to be here, but there's a lot of pressure put on you. Maybe your spouse is discouraging you. Maybe, maybe, it's, maybe it's your parents. Maybe you're a teenager and you, you want to come to church. And I, I know this for, as a youth pastor, I, this happened all the time where parents would ridicule their children for going to church. It was difficult for them to, to come to church because their parents were so discouraging to them about being a part of the church. Maybe it's, maybe it's peer pressure. Whether it's adult, you know, peer pressure doesn't stop when you leave high school. It doesn't at all. Maybe it's adult peer pressure or students, your, your friends are putting pressure on you. Maybe it's your activities. Maybe it's your work schedule. You know, you ask for Sunday off, but, you know, the person there, I mean, just being mean-spirited books you on Sunday. I don't know how many times I've said that I've heard someone say, I asked for Sunday off and they booked me anyway, and they booked it on purpose. They continually book me on Sundays. When, even when my, my coworker says they'll take my shift, my boss says no. So this happens even in our day. There's a struggle, people putting pressure on us not to continue to meet together. Now, I don't know when this happened. I don't know when this happened, but you put all these things together and we become a very hit and miss Christian culture. A very hit and miss Christian culture. You know, you know here and there, you know, it's, it's, it's just very difficult. Now, there are always legitimate reasons. Uh, I, I'm not saying there aren't. There are always legitimate reasons why a person or people can't come to church. There are always legitimate reasons. Don't get me wrong. But here's an amazing thing. I was talking to a pastor of a very, very large church, and he said that regular attendance now is once a month, that serving in the church is completely optional in people's minds. Regular attendance once a month, serving in the church is completely optional, and giving even more so. That's, that's where, where, where they've landed in their church. That's what they see. If someone comes once a month, maybe a little less, but they're coming, that's, that's, regular, that's a regular person, consistent person in the church. Serving is, you know, maybe it's optional and giving even more so. And I, my question in my mind when he's talking is, when did this happen? When, 
when did God become secondary to everything else? Think about it. I mean, think about that culturally. I mean, as Christians, we are, we are as much followers of Jesus Christ as the, as the person that the, the writer of Hebrews is talking to, these Jewish believers. This is the word of God speaking to us as well. When did God become, become secondary to almost everything else? So when, when, did, when did serving become a burden and giving become a chore? When did, think about this. I mean, think about the words I'm using. When did worshiping our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ become uh, an option like everything else? It's just equal. It's an equal option with everything else. Worshiping God on Sunday mornings just become one of many options that you can kind of pick and choose from. And when did pastors become so afraid to even ask the questions anymore? I mean, where... When did, when did this line change where even a pastor getting up is taking his life into his own hands or at least people in his congregation leaving the church over feeling whatever he's saying? But when did pastors become afraid to even ask the questions anymore? I think that, I don't think the pastor should be afraid to ask the questions. I think the Christians, all of us, including myself, should be afraid that someday they're going to have to answer the questions and it won't be the pastor they have to answer to. And I think the pastor is doing a disservice to his church by being afraid to bring these things up because one day we're going to stand before our holy God and our holy God's going to be asking the question and the pastor is going to be held accountable because a pastor who had no guts to actually bring it up in church and at least people get people to think about it, allow the Holy Spirit to start working in people's hearts and minds. This, is an, this should be an encouragement to all of us, an encouragement to all of us just to think through, yeah, when, uh, you know, because it's, like it's like the frog in the kettle. It's a slow process where you don't really think about it. Next thing you know, you're just, it's kind of willy-nilly and, and it's just the way it is. And I, I, I think we need to be thinking about this and not allow it to get to that point because, my friends, God deserves, I don't know how else to say it, Jesus Christ who hung on a cross and bled and died for us deserves more than him being just another option on a Sunday morning uh, if, if we have time for it. Thank you. Um, you think about that. You, what you, <laughs> I think about this all the time. What would the writer of Hebrews say if he walked into a modern church today? How big do you think this guy's church would be? Honestly, he's writing to he's writing to these Jewish believers. How large do you think this man's church would be if he got up and he's saying this to them? If he if he came into our culture without any sensitivity whatsoever to the culture and just saw things at face value, what do you think he would say? I mean, think about it. How, how what, what sermon would this guy preach in our culture today? He was challenging people who were taking their own lives into their hands by being seen at church, and he's telling them, let us not stop meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. Let's spur one another on. Let's encourage each other. Amazing. Absolutely, absolutely amazing. Okay, I want to I switch gears just for a second here. And I, I want to talk a little bit about the importance of when people come to visit the church, when they come and they, they come to visit for the first time, the question I, we should all be asking is, why don't, and I'm not just talking about Grace Chapel. I want to be broader than that in, the, in just Christians as, as a whole, churches as a whole. Why do people come and visit and not come back? If you look at, a, if there's a theme behind it, the theme is usually no one talked to me, no one connected to me, no one reached out to me. 
Now, you know, so, so I say, hey, let's greet each other, find someone you don't know, welcome to the Grace Chapel, and blah, 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 you know. And some of you are thinking, you know, that, that's fine for most people, but I, I'm not good. I'm not, just, I'm not very good at, at conversation with people I don't know. Well, my, my response to that is, you know what, maybe you just need to practice a little bit. You just need to practice. You need to walk up. You need to, you need to get out of your comfort zone. It's a good excuse. Don't get me wrong. You're, you're, you know, you're a back kind of person back here. You don't want to be up front. So it's a good excuse. It's a decent excuse. But I'm saying to you, step out of your comfort zone and practice a little bit. I'll admit, I'm going to admit it right now. And I, uh, you know, I'm not turning my man card either. So don't even talk to me after the service. But I, I've seen Pride and Prejudice more than once. All right. I have three girls. All right. I watch Star Wars and things like that too. And Braveheart's one of my favorite movies. So I just want to keep my manhood intact. All right. But a Pride and Prejudice is a nice, relaxing movie. We watch it sometimes. And I love there's a scene where Elizabeth, I know the characters too. You're really going to get me on this one. Elizabeth is saying to Mr. Darcy, okay, now that I'm, now that my, my stock has gone up with the women and it's gone down with the men, but I'll, I'll, we'll show a scene from Braveheart next week. Um, and Elizabeth saying to Mr. Darcy, she said to the, one of the colonel friends or whatever he has, he said, you know, he was, when he was, the first time he was here, we were at a party and there were plenty of people who didn't have anyone to dance with or talk to. And he stood there by himself and didn't say anything to anyone. And Mr. Darcy's response is, I don't feel comfortable talking to people outside of my own group. That's just not what I feel comfortable doing. And Elizabeth says back to him, well, you should take your aunt's advice and you should practice. And I have a clip. I love this clip. This is Mr. Darcy practicing. Okay. Please do be seated. I'm afraid Mr. and Mrs. Collins have gone on business to the village. This is a charming house. I believe my aunt did a great deal to it when Mr. Collins first arrived. I believe so. She could not have bestowed her kindness on a more grateful subject. Shall I call for some tea? No. Good day, Miss Elizabeth. It's been a pleasure. What on earth have you done to poor Mr. Darcy? I have no idea. Now, I sure, I sure, you can't get any worse than that, okay? That was an encouragement. Practice. I mean, Mr. Darcy standing there, on, he, he's just like out of sorts. People appreciate the attempt. That's all. Someone walking up and saying, how are you? How long have you been coming to Grace Chapel? It's good to have you here. Nice to meet you. It, you know, people just care about the attempt. What they, they'll, they'll put up with awkward, a little bit uncomfortable, don't know what to say. But what they won't put up with and come back is no one spoke to me. No one uh, encouraged me. No one said anything to me. We need to practice. If that's, if that's what we need to do. You know, there's a... There's a um, 
We have a five-minute rule here at Grace Chapel. Here's what the five-minute rule is. If you, especially if you're a member. It's, it's, it's an absolute if you're a member. It's a suggestion or please do if you're a regular attender or just visiting. But take two and a half minutes before the service starts and two and a half minutes after the service is over, not to connect with the people you're comfortable with and you know, but to connect with people you don't know. And just take two and a half minutes and just go around and say, hey, nice to meet you. I, you know, I've been coming here for a while. I, I really never had a chance to talk to you and those kinds of things. So two and a half minutes before and two and a half minutes after. I had an experience at Saddleback Church in, in California. There was, uh, we were in the parking lot and you park out, I mean, it's like, way out somewhere. It takes about an hour to walk to the church in the parking lot. And I was walking and they had people, basically parking people. They were helping park cars, but they had two jobs. One was to park the car and the other one was not let you get by. They would not let you get by them without saying something kind or nice or encouraging to you as you went by. Well, it took me, you know, seriously, maybe like five minutes or so to walk from where we parked to the church. And I was greeted like three times and it was so, they were oh, so nice to have you here. This is your first time, blah, blah, blah. By the time I got to the church, I felt wonderful. Man, I was like, man, God loves me. Everyone loves me. I, this, is, this is fantastic. You know what I mean? Before I even walked into the church, before I heard anyone speak, before I heard the music, before I heard anything go on, I thought, oh, I like this church. I like this church. You know what? I like myself. I felt good about myself. They were encouraging to me. People decide fact, fact. People decide they're coming back to Grace Chapel about between the parking lot, getting out of their car and walking through the building and sitting down. Most people decide they're coming back before I get up here and say a word, before the music, before anybody hits a good solo, whatever else. They don't care. How do I feel getting out of my car? Was that a comfortable experience coming into the building? Did anyone say anything to me? Did anyone greet me? When I said greet each other or anything, was I, was, was I sitting back there by myself and no one said? That's what people care about. That's what matters. We need to make sure that we are doing those types of things. And real quick, a little, little commercial here. I really, we really, we really need more parking people. We have a small group of parking people. I let them take off the summer because we couldn't get enough people to be out there helping them. We need some people. And you think parking, all right, what a big deal. That's not, I'm going to tell you, it is a huge job. Because what you're doing is making that person feel comfortable with smiling, waving them into a spot where they feel comfortable. They don't have to try to figure out where they're going. And then they can walk out and you're, you're saying, hey, good morning. Great to have you here. Give them a handshake or just a, a pleasant smile. It is, it is a huge job. People don't understand how important those things are until you're the one in that position. Then you realize how important they are. Let me, here's the bottom line. It doesn't matter if you're in junior high or high school or an adult. If you're not socially comfortable, you're not coming back. Simple as that. Programs don't matter. Small groups don't matter. Preaching doesn't matter. Songs don't matter. Great band doesn't matter. You're not coming back if you don't feel socially comfortable. People have to feel connected. Imagine if you're a new person. I want you to close your eyes with me for a second. I'm going to help you out with this. Imagine if you're a new person. You don't know anyone. Now, if you close your eyes, and, and I'm going to lay a scenario out for you. Tomorrow, and go back with me. Come on back. Tomorrow is the first day of school. And you're not sure who's going to be sitting with you in class or at lunch. I'm, I'm stressing some people out right now. They're going back. I'm drumming up old, old fears. And, but think about that. 
And if it's a new school, it's even worse. So you're, you're, going to, you're not really sure who's going to be in your class, where you're going to sit. When lunchtime comes around, are you going to be sitting by yourself at the table? You have no idea. It's really uncomfortable. I mean, if, 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 if picture, any so, now picture any social setting where everyone seems to know each other and no one knows you. Open your eyes. And that's what it is. It's what it like it is for some people at church. They walk into the building. They don't know where to put their kids. Some, they don't know where to put the kids. Never been in this building. They don't know where the sanctuary is. Never been in here. They, they're, they're in a social setting where people seem, everyone seems to know each other, but no one knows me. They're extremely, they're socially uncomfortable. And the only way to make them not socially uncomfortable is to make sure. Why do you think we have donuts and coffee? Honestly, it has nothing to do with the fact that we just are so wonderful. We want you all to have donuts and coffee. You know what's comfortable with a new person coming in? When you're holding something in your hand and the other hand, you're doing something. You're not standing there with your hands. You ever stand there in a place with nothing to do with your hands? You have, you, it's awkward. Getting a donut, now you're doing something. Getting a cup of coffee, now you're doing something. You're walking, you're looking around, you're sipping. That makes you comfortable. I'm serious. I love you all. I want you to have donuts and coffee. But the heart behind it was people coming through the door need to be socially comfortable and grabbing a donut and getting a cup of coffee and standing over there and doing this with their straw and all that kind of stuff. You're doing something. So you're socially comfortable. We need to, you all, all of us need to be thinking that way. When the Bible says that we should not give up meeting together, it means abandoning each other. It means deserting each other. That's what it literally means. Don't abandon or desert each other. You're important here. Your presence here is important. You being here on a Sunday morning, singing, you taking up a seat and singing during worship is important. It adds to the life of the body. It's important. And the Hebrew writer is saying, don't abandon. Don't desert your brothers and sisters in Christ. And there are so many reasons why people stop connecting. Maybe you'll, you, maybe you'll appreciate some of these. Maybe it's you. Some stop meeting together when it gets hard. I know that happens in church because people tell me. Life gets hard for them, and all of a sudden, they decide, well, it, it's hard, and so I, I can't come to church. I feel bad about something, whatever else. Life gets difficult, and for some reason, when life gets difficult, they back away from church. They stop coming. And that's exactly what the evil one wants you to do. He wants, when life gets hard, for you to get frustrated and to stop coming to church. Some people have been disillusioned by church. There are a lot of people who have been extremely, uh, they've, they've gone through some really difficult experiences in churches in the past, and they're a little gun-shy. They're disillusioned by church, and all of a sudden they get disillusioned by God, and, and it's, you know, so they don't want to come to church anymore. That's another huge reason why people don't come to church. Or maybe, here's the biggest one, I think. Maybe people are, you, you start struggling with some kind of sin in your life, and you fail. You're struggling, and you're failing. And so you don't want to come to church because you don't want to face God. Really, very quickly, theologically. You accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You're covered with the blood of Christ. If you walk through the door, he's not thinking about what a failure you are. God, is, God sees his son, Jesus Christ. You're covered with the blood of the lamb. God sees his son. He doesn't see all of my mistakes, all of my issues. He sees his son. That's what he sees. And see, the, the evil one tells you, oh, how can you, how can you go to church and face God with the way you're living right now? That's not what God's saying. You accepted Christ. I have freedom in Christ. I'm covered with the blood, by the blood of the Lamb. I walk into church, and who, God, sees, God sees his son, Jesus Christ. He doesn't see Jeff Greer. He sees his son. You're covered by the blood. 
that's what, the, that's what it's all about. You know, when you feel like a failure beyond forgiveness, you need people in your life who are going to remind you of verses 19 through 22 here in this passage. It says this, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, listen to the theology here, by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with sincere hearts, with full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Listen, we all make mistakes. We're, we're, we all fall short. We're all sinners. Uh, my, my goodness, we, we are all selfish sometimes. But, but why don't we just then, if we all admit that, why can't we just then give each other a break? Why don't we just, my, I always say this to people, why don't we just do life together? All right, let's just admit where we all are spiritually. We all make mistakes. We all fall short. We all stumble. We all backslide sometimes. And if that's the case, let's just admit it instead of playing spiritual games with each other, churchy, churchy. Let's just admit that's where we are sometimes in our lives. Let's just love each other through that. Let's just do life together. You don't have to pretend to be someone you're not, at least not here. You know why? Because if you have to pretend to be someone you're not, then I have to pretend pretend to be someone I'm not, and I don't want to live that way. I make mistakes. I'm going to apologize. I fall short. I say something from the pulpit that's insulting to someone. I want to apologize. I'm not walking on eggshells. I'm not walking around thinking I have to be perfect all the time. I want to be in a body, uh, the body of Christ where you can make some mistakes, you can fall short, you can stumble, whatever else, and we're all just thinking, you know what? That, you know, but for the grace of God, there, but for the grace of God, if I lost what they lost, if I went through what they went through this past year, let's see how I'd stand up underneath it. And forget that passage that talks about God won't give you more than you can handle. It never says that in the Bible. I'm actually doing a series on on all the things it doesn't say in the Bible that we kind of cling to. It never says that. Someone pointed out to me. It says that God will not give you, God will not let you be tempted beyond what you can handle, but always give you, it's a, it doesn't mean what people think it means. Never says he give you more than you can handle. And so we judge each other because somehow someone's falling short because they've lost their husband, their dog got hit by a car, their house burnt down, and then they, get, they go into like some kind of depression. Oh, I can't believe that person. God says he won't give you more. That's not, never says that. Let's just do life together. Let's just do life together. You know, people think that they can't come to church unless their life is all squared away lest they're living right where they should. They, they need to feel good about themselves, but that's a mistake. That is a total mistake. Church, listen, this is, church is not the gathering of the good. It's a sanctuary for sinners saved by grace. That's what it is. It's not the gathering of the good. And that's why people don't want to come to church sometimes because we act like it's the gathering, all the good, all the good. It is a sanctuary for sinners. Who here is perfect? Raise your hand, please. You're a sinner saved by grace. So am I. It's a sanctuary for sinners. More people want to come to a place that's a sanctuary for sinners instead of the gathering of the good. You know what? Because the Bible says there's no one good, not even one. Let's just do life together. So verse 25 continues, but let us encourage one another. See, the point of meeting together is not just to eat donuts and drink coffee. 
The point of meeting together, according to the writer of Hebrews, is to encourage one another. And in the context of, of this passage, it's encouraging each other. I mean, we want to encourage people outside of the church, but in this context, it's me encouraging you, you encouraging someone else. It's us encouraging each other because we're all in this together. We're trying, to, we're trying to live in this culture with all it throws at us and be more like Jesus Christ. We need encouragement. I mean, come on. This is tough. Christian life is tough. The Bible tells you to do the opposite of what your sinful nature tells you to do. The world runs by its sinful nature and just goes around doing it all. We have a, we have a nature too that wants to do some of those things, but we try not to. We allow the Holy Spirit to work in our hearts. We try to have spiritual discipline. Sometimes our spiritual discipline fails and we, we fall short. We need encouragement, Right? We need encouragement. So the writer of Hebrews is saying, encourage each other. Encourage each other. We need to be helping each other and serving each other and urging each other and motivating each other and spurring each other on to keep, to keep meeting together. You know, in Nigeria, in Africa, uh, if someone misses church, we can never do this here. If someone misses church, the assumption is they're sick. And so people start walking down the street to go to their home. And so, you know, you're walking down, all of a sudden you see your neighbor and he's walking out. And by the time you get to the house, there's like 10 people who converge on this person's house and see how they're doing. Buddy, we didn't see you at church today. You know, it'd be amazing. Knock, 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 20 people at the door from Grace Chapel. Hey, we missed you. And you're like in your slippers watching the football game. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's what happened, you know? I would never do that for that very reason. It's like, I'm tired. Holy mackerel. But that's the assumption. <laughs> that's the assumption. It's, it's, it's to spur one or other on. That's what he's talking about. Spur one another to not stop meeting together and to walk in a relationship with Jesus Christ, to continue to walk in a relationship with Christ. Christ. We're responsible, listen, for spotting the signs in one another of fatigue, of you spotting the signs of fatigue in me, of me spotting the signs of doubt and discouragement in you, the, the, signs of, the, the signs of compromise, whatever it may be, that we could then encourage one another back to spiritual health. That's what it's all about, being a part of the body. And being a small group, it's so much better to be a part of a small group within that context because when you get sick and something happens, someone knows about it. In our culture today, it is not fair at all for someone to be gone for a month, okay, and then to leave the church because no one connected with them and said, why did you miss church for a month? In this context, people miss church so much that it's, it'd be impossible to know who's been gone for like maybe a business took you away, maybe you've been on vacation, whatever the case may be. People get frustrated because no one's connecting with them, but no one knows why you're gone and no one's going to say, hey, why'd you miss church? In a small group, in a small group, you're telling your small group people, hey, I'll be gone for the next two weeks because, or I'll be gone for two weeks and then I'll be back that week and then I have another business trip the week after. They know that. So they can call the wife or the husband and say, hey, do you need anything? Can we help you with this? And we know he's, he's going to be gone or she's going to be gone. And how can we come around you? You need me to drive your kids here? I know two kids are going to two different soccer games. How about I take yours with me and blah, blah, blah. They know that kind of stuff. That's where community takes place because people know what's going on in your life. Yeah, you know, the question, is, am I my brother's or sister's keeper? The answer is yes. The answer is yes, we are. I am your, we are our brothers and sisters' keeper. But, the, but, but in selflessness, God has designed something unexpected, completely unexpected. Let me illustrate as we close here 
with a story from Ravi Zacharias's book, Cries of the Heart. He says, a woman, went, a woman went to a wise man because she wanted to know what she could rid her, how she could rid herself of her miseries and struggles. She was told to go from door to door, and when she found a home where there was no worries, to ask them for a morsel of grain. She returned a long time later since she had found no home that fit that description. In fact, she had become so involved in hearing the stories of the heartache of others that she had forgotten her own. My friends, it is often in giving and in connecting with others that God meets your needs. God designed something extraordinary when we're selfless, when we give to others. God meets our needs as we meet the needs of others, as we connect with others. That is God's design for the body of Christ. We don't realize it, but that's how God works. He will work in your life as you reach out and meet the needs of others. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And let us not stop meeting together. That is the challenge for all of us this morning and in the days to come, that we put Christ Jesus as our priority. We live for him. We grow in him. Let's bow our heads. Father God, thank you for this time that we can spend together. We just pray that you would truly work in our lives. Father, that you would help us to to focus our lives on you. And if we have not made you a priority, Lord, we don't want to feel guilty here or beat up or anything. That's not what we're talking about. But Lord, if if for some way the, the world has so discouraged us or or gotten us wrapped up in itself that we've kind of forgotten about you and put you on the back burner or put you as not the priority of our lives or put you in, in a category with everything else. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts and change us. Change us, Lord God, to become the people that you have truly created us to be, worshipers, worshipers of you. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you'd like, I know this is a stretch. If you'd like, we're having pizza after the second service, like 12, 15. If you want to come back and have pizza, we're going to be meeting the small group leaders, our life group leaders. If you'd like to meet some, you'd like to connect with those folks, come back after second service and we'll grab some pizza together. Have a great week.